0: Tonight our scripture lesson uh, may be familiar to you. It is a Christmas story from the Gospel of Luke. And if it is familiar to you, I encourage you to listen to this text with new ears, with, with new listening, so that you too may be surprised by the way in which God shows up. Or maybe this is your first time hearing this story, your first time here in church, and I pray that God's Spirit will be upon you so that tonight will be a blessing, and so that you might know that God is indeed with us. We hear the story from the Gospel of Luke, the second chapter, beginning with the first verse. It'll be on the screens, it'll be online, and it's also in Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration, and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descendant from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. For all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be assigned for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace among those whom he favors. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So recently, I don't know, uh, have you seen uh, the, the new movie, the, the Matrix Resurrection? Just came out. It's in the movie theater. It's in HBO. I'm not suggesting that you gather the family together and pop popcorn and watch The Matrix together. Uh, but those of you who are of age, it's an interesting story, right? The, the crux of the story of, of the Matrix uh, in the trilogy in this new movie, I mean, it's called Resurrection. How could a pastor not talk about it uh, in, in church? The heart of this story, of this trilogy, of these four movies now, is what exactly is real? What is real? Are the things that we see and touch and smell and hear, is, is, that, is that real? Is, could it be that there's something more that's out there that is beyond simply what our senses tell us? In this story that, that, that Luke is trying to tell, he's asking us, he's begging us, what is real? What do you assume to be real and what are you willing to believe that is real? In the beginning of the story, it starts with Caesar Augustus, and Caesar has the power to order the world. It is the first registration, and, and, and Caesar invites people to—invites uh, people. It's more like a command. He, he commands people to go to their ancestral home so that they might be counted. And it starts with a named emperor, and then right under the named emperor, there is a, a named governor, Quirinius. This all happened under Quirinius's watch. And then after that, uh, there's kind of this order that's happening. Then there is Joseph, and we hear about Joseph who is going to Bethlehem because that is the home of his origin. And then we hear about Mary. And then interestingly, it goes to the child. And if you've seen the Mandalorian, you know how excited I am to be able to say that. It goes to the child. The child is unnamed in this story. Did you catch that? starts with a named emperor, but then it ends with, surprisingly, this first section of a trilogy of a three-act story, it ends with an unnamed child. Luke is challenging us to assume what is real. Does Caesar really hold power? Or is it something that we have assumed to be true? There's a role reversal that happens in this first act of a three-act story. Corinius thinks he has the power. The last couple of weeks we've been talking about the, maybe you saw the Grinch as you came in. Last couple of weeks we've been talking about the Grinch uh, here, and if, if you've been with us, you've heard me tell that story a hundred times. If you haven't been with us, you know the story, right? The Grinch, he's mad, he's up on Mount Crumpet, and he sees the Who's, and their celebration is way too loud, and it's like a clanging cymbal, a, a, a noisy gong in his ears, and he wants, he has this terrible, awful idea, he wants to steal Christmas away. See, Caesar and the Grinch both think they have the same kind of power. Caesar wants to order people to go to their ancestral home. The Grinch goes to their home and shows up. And he doesn't try to move them somewhere else. He tries to move them to misery by stealing Christmas away. Caesar wants to have everyone register so that he might have an accurate record of all of their stuff, of all of their possessions, of all of their land and estate. The Grinch, he doesn't want to take record of it. He wants it all. He wants to take it all. Both Caesar and the Grinch think they have the power to order their prospective worlds. But as we read the Gospel of Luke, we should be surprised that this first act ends with an unnamed baby in the city of Bethlehem wrapped in swaddling clothes and placed in a manger. The Grinch is also quite surprised by the end of the story. Right? He's stolen everything away and he's there on Mount Crumpet and he's listening for the weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth but it doesn't happen. He hears singing The transformation that, that the Grinch experiences is actually quite remarkable because if, if Caesar Augustus tried to enact a census and the people said no and they resisted, I'm assuming his heart wasn't going to go to grow three sizes. He would probably send a legion to go force them to do it. But when the Grinch hears the singing, his heart grows. He could have said, he could have said, "Well, that didn't work. Next time, I'll try harder to destroy their life." He could have had more resolve. He could have become more bitter. He could have had come up with another wonderful, awful idea. But instead, there's a transformation. Something new that he didn't expect. There's something new that we didn't quite expect. We heard that there was a Messiah, but he sounded like a warrior king. He sounded like someone who would kick Rome's butt out of, out of Judea. But he shows up as a vulnerable Baby, something new, something unexpected, and maybe through this expectation our heart might also grow three sizes. But the story doesn't end there, right? The, the Luke, like uh, almost like a, a scene change, or the curtain drops and comes back up. We now find ourselves with shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock. Behind. I can't help but hear peanuts when that story is told, right? And low, lights please, and low. There's an angel. Yes, exactly, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. There's an angel of the Lord shown around them, and you know, Linus, right? He's telling the story. And did you know the Easter egg in that? Linus actually drops his blanket. Did you know that? You know, the blanket that he has for security that he holds in every comic panel, in every special, in every cartoon ever. It's the one time that Linus puts the blanket down is when he's talking about Jesus. Because it's all he needs. Just this beautiful, under-the-radar Easter egg and peanuts, and it's fantastic. But the shepherds are there, keeping watch over their flock by night. And they see this angel. Now, a shepherd's job is to protect the flock. So now they see the heavens opening up, and this angel telling them, Do not be afraid. And of course the angel starts that way. The angel has to say, do not be afraid. Because you can imagine, when they see this, they're used to dealing with wolves and thieves and bandits. But the heavenly creature appearing before them, I imagine that they took their rod and their staff and they, they held it tighter than they ever had before. So the angel says, do not be afraid. Because the angel has to say, do not be afraid. That's the thing. Several weeks ago, here at Asbury, I, I invited uh, you to uh, create ornaments for our tree, uh, and, and many of you have them on the tree, and I encourage you after the worship service to take a look at the ornaments that you've placed on there. And the ornaments represent a place in your life where you need a miracle, where you need an intervention from God, because when we take that brokenness in our lives and we put it together and we carry it together, it actually can contribute to beauty. So our brokenness carried together together is now part of a beautiful tree symbolizing our faith in God and I asked you to ask for a miracle this is the time of the year where we should expect a miracle we should expect God to show up so do not be afraid when God does if you ask for God to intervene do not be afraid when God does when God shows up and touches that place in your life, and then says, now go and serve. Now go, be a living sacrifice in my kingdom. We should ask God to show up and to intervene, but we should also not be afraid when God does. So the angel says, do not be afraid. I know what this looks like. Don't run. Do not be afraid, for I give you good news joy! I love that language. Good news of great joy. The joy is greater than the news. Good news of great joy because joy is the steadfast assurance that God is with us. That is what joy is. The angel announces to the shepherds, God is with you. Not the upper crust, not Caesar, not those who have 401ks, the night shift workers of the world. God loves you and God is with you. Do not be afraid of that news. So they hear this word, and they are intrigued. And the angel says, this will be a sign for you. You will see a child wrapped in swaddling clothes. It almost sounds like a command, you will see this. Now, it's not so much the angel saying you have to do this so that Luke can like write down the story and we can all get it down in an orderly account, as Luke says. No, it's, it's almost permission to be curious over what God is doing. It's almost as if the angel is saying, hey, there's something really cool happening in Bethlehem and you should go check it out. And it's not that they had to, but they're filled with a desire because they wanted to. They had this kind of excitement of what was going on in Bethlehem. It's like that scene, a Christmas story. You've seen a Christmas You'll shoot your eye out. You'll shoot. You've seen a Christmas story, right? And there's this great scene, like right at the very, very end. What did Ralphie want the whole time? A red rider BB gun. And he didn't get one. I love it. The dad is sitting there on the couch. He's like, well, did you get everything you wanted for Christmas? He's like, yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah. And then there's this beautiful moment where the dad looks around the corner and goes, hey, what is, what is that over in the corner over there? I, I don't remember seeing that under the tree. And what is that? His wife didn't even know, right? I love it. It's kind of this big secret. He'd been preparing for this the whole time. Hey, what is that? And then then Ralphie is filled with this excitement. He leaps off the couch to go see what it is. The shepherds are supposed to go with haste to Bethlehem. You will see a child. I'm not commanding you to do it. But I imagine that if you get up and you start looking for God, you too will find a transformation. You should probably go check out what's happening in Bethlehem. I'll just give you a quick pro tip. You will see a child wrapped in bands of cloth lying in a manger, and that is going to be a sign for you. So they went with haste. That word is only used twice in the entire Gospel of Luke. They stopped what they were doing. They wanted to go now. God had intervened, and they wanted the rest. Kind of like when Harry met Sally. I'm going through, like, my entire anthology of movies today. It's like when Harry met Sally, right? At the very, very end, it's like, I want the rest of my life to start right now. When you find someone you love, you want the rest of your life to start right now. And that's what the shepherds did. They went with haste to Bethlehem to see what the angels were saying. They... They left all of, this is when Jesus starts, you know, you ask God for a miracle and God shows up and we're kind of afraid of that because God called the shepherds to leave all of their investment behind, all of their capital. They left the sheep in the darkness, babe. They went to Bethlehem with haste. They didn't call a sub. When they showed up, they announced everything that had been told to them. like the Grinch. You know, the Grinch is on top of Mount Crumpet and he's listening for the Who's and, and it's not the weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. It, it's, it's this beautiful singing and his heart grows. And, and he just, like the shepherds, like, I, I need to fix this now. I need to go now. So he takes his sled and he goes down into Whoville to return all of the presents. And we think that's the end of the story, right? The Grinch is the main character, right? His heart grew three sizes. Mazel tov. It's all done. It's not all done. Because the Who's had to accept him for that story to come to a completion. Oh, they could have asked for his head. They could have asked for him time well served. They could have put him on probation for stealing all their stuff. That's not what they did. They invited him into their home, and he carved the roast beast at the head of the table. It's that same question from The Matrix. Is this real? (laughs) Is forgiveness real is reconciliation real is, is what the angels told us real and then when they see the child oh my god it is it is real God is really showing up God is here Emmanuel and then I love this at the very very end it says Mary hmm, Mary treasured and pondered everything it's kind of like um, Christie on, on Christmas morning, because our Christmas we get we give the kids four gifts and only four, something you want, something you need, something to wear, and something to read, and then Santa br- parents that's for free, you know, <laughs> right? Uh, and then Santa brings something to share in the morning, so they're still like a little bonus happy uh, in the morning. But there's there's this the internet meme too, right? It's 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 the mom. It's the mom who has the robe, and like there's toys everywhere and wrapping paper everywhere. And she's in the robe with the coffee, she's just, you know. Mary treasured and pondered everything she had seen, and there was peace. There was peace. There was peace between the Grinch and the Hoos. There was peace that the shepherds experienced with this holy family. In the Matrix, again, the whole thing is that the machines and, the, and, and humans are at peace. The joy that the shepherds experienced, this great joy, led them to find Peace. A couple weeks ago, at the, at the beginning of Advent, we lit the candle of peace because we talked about how we have to be at peace with ourselves and with our God and with our neighbor in order to even move to a place of hope. So then we lit the candle of hope. And once we start hoping for another day, that leads us into learning what love is. So we light the candle of love. And then, and then after we've talked about love, loving our neighbor, loving our enemy, that's when we move into joy, the steadfast assurance that God is with us. And then when we have found the presence of God, what happens is that it leads us right back to peace with ourselves and with our God and with our neighbor. That's why it is a wreath. That's why it is a circle. It is never ending. Jesus came so that we might know abundant and everlasting life. There is no beginning. There is no end. The alpha and omega. Jesus came so that our lives would be overflowing with peace, hope, love, and joy. When does it end? It's not supposed to. <laughs> that's why I love the proclamation of the angels. To you is born this day in the city of David. It is, the, it is in the present tense. And it's the only part of chapter 2 that's in the present tense. In those days, there was a census. That's in the past. And then eventually the angel says, you will see a baby. But right in the center, in the heart of that story, today is born in the city of David, Christ our Lord, who is Savior, which means it is forever and ever, amen, a present reality. Jesus should be born in our lives each and every day so that we might know the joy that God is indeed with us. So let us be at peace. I hope tonight is a night of peace for you so that we might know that God is indeed with us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.